Hi, everybody. Welcome into another edition, episode 105 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast, Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 34, breaking down the swing today of Red Sox shortstop, Alexander Bogarts. I'm very excited to do this one, and so is my podcast partner, professional evaluator, successful business former coach, friend, co-host, Jake Epstein. What's cooking? Good looking. I don't know. I feel like we need some kind of background music during your intro. Yeah, like from uh, like the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the uh, ESPN ABC NHL song. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. One of the more underrated sports songs, by the way, um, (laughs) in all just all across all four major sports. Speaking of the NHL, yeah, I was just trying to. Poke, poke the bear, but I, apparently you're over it. I don't know what you're poking at. I, on to 2023. I, I get you. So there's a, a kid I, I train here, uh, Henry, and Henry's a big kid, and his dad works for the Avalanche, and so he sent me a picture on the plane with the trophy. How cool is that? Like, kid got to hold the trophy, see the trophy. He's like 13 years old. So cool. Don't worry. I'm sure the lightning got to do the same thing with someone last year, two years ago. Okay. This was just cool. I thought it was cool. And you're so angry right now. Better talk about Bogarts. This is great. This is a great little test there to to show how valuable I am to this show. Just kind of (laughs) sit here and let you go off and try to uh, perform on your own. Not that you can't. My friend. Not that you can, but over a long, sustained period of time, I, I start to wonder. Nope, I need leads and questions. That's the only way it works. That's right. You need somebody to drive the old ship. That's it. I have a question for you, though, hitting-wise. So Alec Baum, on Friday night, hit two mm-hmm. home runs for the Phillies in St. Louis off Adam Wainwright. Now, unfortunately for Wainwright, it was a complete game loss. It sucks sometimes to be a pitcher. Yeah but it sucks 10 times more to be a hitter most times based <laughs> off the numbers. Now, uh, Alec Baum, he had two home runs. He's had his ups and downs this year. Two home runs, though, on Friday night. How does a hitter just in general? From, we talked last week about the mental side of hitting mentally. How does a hitter take that momentum, hitting two home runs or having a great game going four for four, take that result from the previous game and continue uh, to ride that momentum into the next day, the next day, and, of course, the week or two beyond that. Yeah, usually it, it creates a routine. And mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times there's superstition involved. So he's probably eating the same thing he ate uh, when he hit the two home runs. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably going to do the same kind of BP, the same kind of warm up. Um, you know, he's going to try to keep his routine consistent because it worked. You know, whatever it was, it probably had nothing to do with that. But maybe he did more opposite field hitting in BP that day, or maybe he did more pull side you know, hitting in, in BP that day. So he'll probably continue that. Plus it creates, you know, a sense of calm. Like I'm hitting the ball good. I'm in my routine. I'm doing the same exact thing. And now all of a sudden he has, you know, some positive vibes going, going into his next game. Uh, maybe it was his approach. You know, I was looking for this or I was looking for that middle in, middle away, up, down, whatever it was. And he'll probably stick to that same plan. And then if he gets pitched according to that, plan that he put in place now all of a sudden we have you know two or three good games in a row and then it will kind of snowball from there and 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 ride it out a little bit further yeah you know 
I, I got to tell you, I feel I was thinking about this last night too. I feel bad for the Mets, and we have a mutual friend from the Mets to this podcast, Eric Chavez, the hitting coach, mm-hmm. of course, for the New York Mets. It, it, this what's happening now with New York of the injuries and everything else. It, it's not mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form his fault. But I mean, the Braves are just arguably the best team in all of baseball right now. The way they're playing, they've got the most wins since June first, and they just continue to win. I mean, it's just over and over yeah. and over again. I mean, they took two of three from the Cardinals. They beat the Nationals on Friday night, uh, ten to two. They beat up on them, and it's just, it's just the Braves are they're creeping up again on the Mets. It's like deja vu. <laughs> you know, bad for the Mets and the fans every year. It's deja vu yeah. again in 2022. Although the Mets do have some reinforcements coming, so it's good news. For they them. do, yeah. I think the the Mets will be fine. They're under a good leadership too. You know, a guy that's you know, more of a, a steady leader, you know, and, and Buck Walter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in, injuries happen and injuries are part of it and teams get hot. Teams get really hot like the Braves are. And you hope that, you know, at some point they cool off or at some point you play them, you know, they're beating up on NL central teams. Um, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, beating up on the Mets themselves, but you gotta, you gotta stay in it. You know, you're at the halfway point. You can't, you know, you're feeling so good all year. And then all of a sudden here comes, you know, the team that, that won it last year, right. They, you know, they're, they're on your heels and they're cruising in and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh no, you can't have those negative thoughts in there. You just got to keep going. You got 80 games left, 80, 83, 84 games left. I don't know something like that yeah and credit to to steve cohen and to, to billy epler I, I wonder with billy epler I, I think we're getting um more of a a broader picture as to what kind of general manager and front office executive he is i don't think he was given uh, the right resources when he was with the angels who are a dumpster fire right now by the way um the phillies are also in the national league east hunt more so the wild card mm-hmm. hunt. you know who else is in the wild card hunt and i said this a few um, maybe not a few weeks back a couple of months back now mm-hmm. a team that could be in the wild card hunt come the all-star break and that's the miami marlins yeah i don't know i know you did maybe maybe i'll Maybe I'm not as crazy as everybody says. <laughs> well, you don't know what everyone says, Jim. I don't. I'd rather not know. I mean, quite, <laughs> fra- quite frankly, I really don't care. But what I do no, care about is that the Marlins, the Marlins are, I think, three games out as we talk to you on this release date, July 11, 2022. I'm not saying they're going to make the postseason or playoffs. I'm right. just saying that they win the games that they need to win, and they also yeah. beat teams that are better than them. Yes. And they're definitely doing that. Do you want to get into Xander Bogarts now? Sure. I can talk about the Marlins all day. Um, But we'll get into Xander Bogarts, the topic of our episode this week. 105, Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 34. By the way, you can check out all of our Mechanical Breakdown episodes and swing analysis on our YouTube page, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe to that. Xander Bogarts, three-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger. But I've said this before on the program. I truly believe that he is one of the more underrated players, shortstops in all of Major League Baseball. You know, I think of the movie Moneyball. I like that movie. But the one thing that's never mentioned, and he makes a brief cameo in it, it's old highlights from 2002, Miguel Tejada. Miguel Tejada back in the day when you had Nomar Garciaparra, you had Derek Jeter. I mean, those two were the two highly talked about shortstops, one in New York, one in Boston. 
But Miguel Tejada in 2002 and 2003, arguably, was the best shortstop among the group and the best shortstop in the league. And that's kind of how I look at Alexander Bogarts. By the way, Bogarts and Tejada, there's a good comp there. But I look at uh-huh. Bogarts as a guy who right now is one of the more underlooked and underrated, undervalued shortstops and players in all of baseball. In a huge market. It just right. doesn't I, – I don't understand – why he doesn't get the the press that he deserves you know like even if he was in la but being in the east coast a large market i I don't know maybe because boston you know hasn't been in the series you know the last maybe yeah they haven't had big playoff runs although i thought last year they had a decent playoff run they they won the world series in 18 yeah right so I, i i i don't know i don't know why he doesn't get the press you know tahata was he was an all-star every year too, but it was short-lived and there were rumors of uh, performance enhancing drugs, right? He was on the Giambi teams, you right. know, that, that were pretty, pretty bulky, bulky guys. And, and I think all of a sudden he just went away. Like he got, um, for whatever reason, his career ended short, right? He just dropped off big time. So, you know, I think that's why people forget about him, but during his heyday, he was, unbelievable and, and Bogarts is just consistent you know it's his slugging percentage is always decent you know he's a good fielding infielder he um you know he's on base I'm trying to think his on base percentage is always in the uh, mid threes I think um I had a stats pulled up here a second ago well you know uh, he hits 300 he, he's just a good solid everyday player he can't ask for anything more than that uh, and, and just to add more context to what you're saying he's not an all-star this year now, mind yeah. you, through 79 games, he's hitting 311. His OPS is 839, seven home runs. He's never really been a big power guy. 34 RBIs. He's in the top 10 in a lot of offensive categories across baseball, including wins above replacement. He's eighth. And on base percentage, I think he's eighth in that category as well. It's yeah. amazing that this guy's is <laughs> criminally he just, He's still, and I don't know if it's the Boston Press that, that just doesn't give him you know, as much ink, maybe he, maybe he's just, you know, a quieter guy. He's not super outspoken. He doesn't want to do a lot of interviews. You know, maybe that's what it is, but steady, yeah. you know, and he has hit 20, 30 home runs a year before. So like he has, we'll see his swing is so compact and adjustable and short to the ball and long through it that he's going to be consistent. Like his swing is not going to get in the way of his consistency. And obviously he has, major league ability and vision and talent and the right mental makeup. So, you know, I mean, his, his swing, the swing we're going to look at today is one that I, I provide all my online members, you know, we'll use it as comps because it is so good. You know, it's Vlade good, man. He had a home run on a hanging breaking pitch, by the way, my guy, your guy, uh, since he had a hanging curveball, he'd been hitting breaking balls all day. And he's, you see him, he's just sitting on this breaking ball. It's 80 miles an hour. And there's no, like, he is on it. There's no, like, adjustment to it. Um, he sits behind it. Like, it's really hard to sit behind something 80 miles an hour when, you know, most people are throwing 95. And he sits behind it. He waits for it and just absolutely smoked it. And he was so short to the ball on it that it's just a swing that you can replicate. And that's kind of what Bogarts is, is doing here. You know, it's, it's the top of the, the food chain mechanically, where if you deviate from perfection, we're still better than everyone else. And that's what I, 
all the drills that I have in the online academy are we're overdoing moves, right? Mm -hmm. We're staying short of the ball than you ever had to. So that if you aren't perfect, you're still 100%. So we're constantly training at 125%. It's just like training speed, right? If you're facing a guy throwing 100 miles an hour, you know, maybe you crank up a machine to 105. You know, and you don't even, hey, maybe you take a swing every three or four pitches, but the, the big leaguers are there. They're over, um, you know, overdoing the the speed or the break so that when they get in a real environment, it's a little bit easier. And that's what we're going to do with our mechanics, too. And we'll see that with Bogarts because he's he's very, very efficient. I would like to see it, too. So I think you should maybe send me the video. Oh. I, I, I forgot to mention that pre-show. When you get a chance, we got all day. You're too busy yapping in the beginning of the show about, about some stupid hockey team in Colorado. No, I was just trying to get the, the code going. Okay, hold on. Let's see if I can uh, share this with you, Jim, so you we can send it to my looking. You can send it to my telephone. <laughs> okay. As you've done let, many let times in the past. Let me export it to your, to, your, to your telephone. Here it comes. Hey, um, with Bogarts, here's a guy who's approaching 150 home runs and 300 stolen bases. What kind of, again, we mentioned it, seven home runs this year, so not much power. What kind of hitter overall, what kind of player would you categorize Alexander Bogarts? Oh, he's definitely a high contact hitter. You know, high, you know, he's going to be a low line drive, you know, to medium line drive hitter. He's going to make a lot of solid contact, but his launch angle is not going to be as high as somebody that's dropping under the pitch plane as much, um, right. you know, and we have to categorize, you know, I have a, a player I'm working with now that's really big and you can tell he's going to be big. You know, he's only 13, but he's like six, two, you know, he's skinny, but he's starting to fill out. It's like, you know, you're probably going to be in that, you know, maybe not as thick as judge, but you know, you're going to be six, five. Right. And it's okay if you drop under the pitch plane a little bit and your misses are bottom of the ball. Okay. So that's, that's his category. He doesn't run real well. You know, he's, he's going to be a, probably a left fielder or a right fielder, maybe a first baseman. So you categorize that, but in the, right now I'm not, I'm making him more of a line drive gap hitter and his line drives just go, I mean, he's 13. He hits the ball 92 miles an hour. Like off the bat. It's, it's insane. What's the, what's the it, equivalent? What's the equivalent for a pitcher? What would he be throwing miles per hour at that age? Uh, what a great question. That's probably a pitcher at age 13 throwing in the yeah. mid-80s. Yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. Like 80, 85 miles an hour, 86 yeah, miles an hour. Just add further context to how good yeah, that number so, is, right? He's just now it's not as consistent as we want to be, so we're, we're trying to get him obviously more consistent and, and flattening out that swing point. And then, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, if he does end up dropping a little bit, it's going to be okay because his misses are going to go, you know, 380 feet. So with Bogarts, we're not doing that. With Bogarts, he's getting to the pitch plane and then he's staying through that pitch plane. So he's going to hit more the middle of the ball. He's not going to foul as many balls off that are, that are hittable. He's not going to foul a lot of balls off up and to the right. You know, he's going to hit more low line drives to right field and he's going to hit more higher line drives to left center field. So, that's why I said it's the perfect swing to teach a young player because that's what we want all young players to do until they're, you know, strong enough to hit balls over the outfielder's head. There's no reason for them to try to launch balls 35 degrees when they're just, you know, weak fly balls to the to the outfield. So when he's going well, Bogarts, he's mm -hmm. gap to gap, line he's drive, a total gap to gap going guy. the other way. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, not. I mean, he goes the other way, but not like a Jeter went the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he pulls balls a little bit more than Jeter does. But yes, he stays inside the ball so well, which we'll see. You know, he gets the knob, his, his knob out in front of his barrel. He uses mm-hmm. his hands to get out in front. And anytime you do that, you lag the barrel back a little bit more and you're less likely to hook balls. So he's going to be a, a gap-to-gap guy. Be sure to email us to your questions, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com and subscribe to the like, show on YouTube. Go ahead. What? Like, where is Xander Bogarts going to end up after this season? That's a great question for somebody <laughs> not <laughs> other, than us. <laughs> other than us to ask. <laughs> Dave Dombrowski. Is he still the GM there, Boston Dombrowski? Oh, my God. You're way behind, my brother. Really? Dombrowski's the vice president um, of the Phillies now. Oh, that's right. You're what year? Out. Is this 2016? No? No. Okay. You're, <laughs> you're right today. I forgot they paid him all that money to leave. You're having a, you're, you're having a heck of a show. The COS team still <laughs> 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 All right. John Henry's still the owner. We have that. He's still the owner. Last okay. I checked. Okay. Heim Bloom is the um, general that's manager right. now of the, the That's Red right. Sox. The smart guy from should Harvard I pick this? Should I do my last year around this time? I actually, before this time, I picked my World Series winning team, and um, I've picked correctly now since 2016. So I have to keep the streak going. Should I pick my team now? Let's wait for the break. What do we have? One more day? No, Tuesday? no you're way off again. We have like a week, another week, yeah, it's another week. That's right, because the draft is next week. I mean, could I put the Red Sox in that category of teams that that I think could win the World Series? Because, you know, I have my reasons, and I'm not going to say them on You can do whatever you want. It's a podcast. Yeah, but, I mean, it has to be structure. Oh. And I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to break my streak. Yeah, you better put some more thought into it instead of just, you know, blurting it out. I blurted it out last year, and I and I won with the Braves. You did. Never go against Double A in Atlanta. I know. It's good. Um, subscribe to the show as well. Apple, Google, Spotify on the audio side. The Lab Epstein getting podcast on YouTube for videos and clips and all that stuff you do on YouTube. Whatever you do on YouTube. All right, you ready to get into the swing of Alexander Bogart's Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 34? I did get it on my telephone, so now I can follow along like a good student and a good co-host. Mechanical Breakdown Series, Alexander Bogart's. All right, so here's Bogart's in the launch position. And, and we talk a lot about launch to extension because that's the... That's the swing. You know, how you get to launch is how you get to launch. Can you get there on time? Can you get there in a, in a very relaxed manner where you're not, you're not rushing and you don't get, maybe you don't get your hands back all the time. Actually, one of the things, this is good for all the, all the, the players watching is, you know, where his hands are at launch, they're back. If you rush your stride and your stride is too fast and we monitor a lot of that, you know, both, when I'm doing, you know, personal lessons or online stuff. And then at the lab too, if your, your rhythm is too fast, then a lot of times your hands don't get back all the way. And I've had that a couple of times this summer is that players are so concerned or spring actually players are so concerned about being short to the ball, which is great. 
But short to the ball happens when we go to rotate. It doesn't happen when we start. And so what happens is they start with their hands too close to their body sometimes, and it'll mess things up. So we're going to go launch to contact here. And you can see, you know, if we look at this position of his left arm, if I put an angle on him, a lot of players try to keep this at like, you know, say 90 degrees. But if we trace his arm, you can see it's at, you know, 135-ish, 130 to 135. Totally fine. I don't really care where it is to start. Probably not 180. Wouldn't be good. Um, but definitely usually around 120 is what I look for. Um, but if we watch him go from – actually, let's keep keep watching here. Um, I'm sorry. Let's, let's keep him in the safe position. If we look at where his chest is facing, his chest is facing towards his back foot. And you can see his hips are, are open, but they're, they're fairly square. He's not a huge, like, cheating open with his front hip but he's still at 35 degrees of separation here. Okay. And we're most big leaguers, 30 to 40. We've talked about something as we're 42. We talked about Donaldson being on that 42. Sometimes Miguel Cabrera is on the 42 because he keeps his, his chest back so well and really opens his hips. Um, but really 35 is, is fantastic. You know, that's that kind of meeting. You can see if you look at his shirt, you know, this is a great video quality, by the way. That's why we're using it. But you can see all the wrinkles in his shirt, you know, on his left obliques there. He's got great separation, but it doesn't look stressed, right? He's not overcooking it. He's not uncomfortable. Now, as he goes to rotate, okay, I want you to watch his hands. What did we say? We said his left arm was like at 135 or so. But as he comes through to his short approach, because this pitches in a little bit more, now he has the ability to get his left arm to, you know, maybe a little bit more than 90 degrees. If it was an outside pitch, it would have stayed at probably 120 degrees. But he has the flexibility, he has the ability to do this, to stay shorter to the ball. Think about the figure skater. We talked about it, you know, before. When the figure skater brings their arms from far away, so I'm going to bring him back to launch, to closer – we are able to rotate faster, right? When our arms are away from us, we don't rotate as much. That's why it's one of the reasons, not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons we don't hit the ball as far to right field. Okay. We don't rotate as fast and we don't rotate um, as much on pitches to the, I shouldn't say to right field, but to the opposite field. Okay. So he's going from, I mean, you could use it longer with his hands to shorter with his hands. So if you look at his short approach, it looks like, uh, you know, Every great hitter, chest facing the front foot, knob in front of the back elbow. Okay. The front, there's some space between his chest and his left arm. He's going to keep pulling that forward. So now we're going to bring him to the approach. The approach is when the bat is parallel to the camera, right? Okay. So you can see his knob doesn't quite slide out in front as much as I would like to see. So if we look at his left elbow in the approach, again, that's when the, the barrel is equidistant the barrel and the knob are equidistant from the camera okay the bat's in a straight line parallel to the pitch you can see how his elbows out in front okay so sometimes what this does is this lets our barrel come out and drop well his really doesn't his drops a little bit so i'm going to keep him coming here and the reason is is because this is an inside pitch and he hits it deeper so when the inside pitch when we don't hit the inside pitch out in front as much as we should we have to let the barrel go away from our body sooner Okay, so that's why that's happening. But if I put a line on this pitch, okay, so I'm going to grab the ball, 
And I'm going to try to create a line here towards the catcher's mitt. We're using the catcher. Looks like a four degree down slope. Okay. It's probably a little bit more than that. So now I got to go back. Probably about six. No, bear with me. Okay. There's six. So you'll see his barrel. There we go. Now we're on it. You can see his barrel get to that line, but it doesn't go under it. Right, his barrel's not getting down in, in here, and then he has to come back up. His barrel gets to the line right about at his front thigh, so he can at least battle and foul that off. This one he hits right at his front shin. So remember, look, see the catcher's mitt? This pitch is inside, so he's beat. This is why good mechanics are, are saviors. He's beat. You don't want to hit the inside pitch behind your front foot, okay? Maybe he had two strikes. I don't know. Okay, and so he had he had to protect everything. All of a sudden, he sees a pitch in, and he had to. That's that's the reason he had to get his left arm so bent here, and the reason he had to get the barrel around a little bit sooner too. So he hits this ball square. I would say probably to center or just to the left of center, and then watch his barrel stay through it. See how long he stays through that line. So if you look at his right arm, if you see a a player in this power V position. Pretty amazing. Left arm here. This is textbook. Right arm here. Bat shooting kind of right out between. Okay. So if I see a player like that, I'm usually saying to myself, okay, that pitch is probably right down the middle. Then I come back here and I see a player at the launch position. I'm like, what a wonderful launch position. And then I go a little bit further and I see him right here at the short approach. I'm like, oh, man, he's really crammed up there. So usually what you're going to see with players when they get crammed up here, meaning with their arms, where the left arm bends a lot, is they never get extended. So the beauty of, excuse me, Bogarts is he is short to the ball. His barrel, you know, his barrel arc kind of comes around that way. Okay. So he's short to it, but then once he gets to that pitch plane at about his front thigh, now all of a sudden, you know, he's happy for like a good 16 inches, 18 inches um, in the contact zone. So he's short to it. When people talk about short to it and long through it, that's about as good as it gets. So that's why I like to use this as an example is, um, look, we want to have the ability to bend our arm like that, but it doesn't always have to start like that. So if we just look at these frames here from launch to short approach. It doesn't always have to do that. Okay, but that's us training like our upper body drills. Notice how the back gets closer to his shoulder as he rotates. That's pretty cool. Starts further away, and then that back comes right down next to the shoulder. And that's why it doesn't matter where we stride or how we hitch or whatever, as long as we get to a good launch position on time. And that's why he's going to be successful. That's why Bogarts is, you know, he's going to hit, you know, 290 to 310, you know, most of his career is because of his hand path. And he's going to have some power because he creates separation. But because he doesn't have a big barrel drop, you know, he's not going to hit a lot of home runs. If he did, if he wanted to hit 35 home runs, he probably could he would have to adjust his body and maybe his swing point so that he got under pitches more, but he also wouldn't hit 290 to 310. He'd probably hit 240 to 250.
Great analysis as always. You took a lot of words out of my mouth there because just watching this video, and then again, it, this for those listening on the audio side, this is a lot better. Our mechanical breakdowns to view on our YouTube page, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube page. But at first, I thought it was an outside pitch with where his hips were placed, with with mm-hmm. uh, the bat leg. Yeah. But then I noticed, like you did, the catcher's glove, and, and the catcher's. And this is in the Bronx too, by the way. So whoever's behind the plate, his glove. It might. This is probably from a couple of years ago, so it might be like Romine or Agashioka, whoever. But that glove is drifting to the inside. Now, with Bogarts, from what I look at, I have my freeze frame here on uh, on my phone of him at the point of contact. But the reason that, and I think you alluded to it, that he got to that inside pitch and he barreled it up was because he has such great mechanics. But this is why I look at the bat path and I, I look at attack angle more than I do launch angle, because this, to me... He was late on this, but I think he had a, still had a pretty good attack angle from launch to contact to be able to get to that pitch and barrel it up. Yeah, he just made he made a great adjustment because his mm-hmm. body allowed. <clears throat> excuse me, his his body allowed him to make that adjustment. And yeah, I mean, if you look at contact for a pitch that's somewhat middle in, and I don't know how much in because the, I don't know if the catcher was outside and then reached across, but it was definitely in probably ball one or ball two off the plate for him to look so natural at point of contact on an inside pitch that he let get deep yeah. is, is very hard to do. And I see it all the time. I see players that are taught to let everything get really deep and try to hit everything, you know, behind their front foot. And that that's the, what they end up with is elbows that are, I mean, if you're watching online elbows that are just tight at contact. Right. And, and then he just scrunched kind of, his body in a way, right? On that yeah, on this swing. He did, but he scrunched it early. Yeah. Right. He didn't yep. he didn't scrunch it at point of contact. And so what happens, just be be mindful and be careful as you're practicing out there, especially if you have youngsters um, you know, that are playing T ball, you know, or very young and, and you're using the T a lot with them. Make sure that it's never set up, you know, behind their front foot when they make point of contact, make sure it's always at their front foot, make sure it's out in front a little bit. Otherwise you will build a swing that is very tight and spinny. And I will be honest, that is one of the hardest things for me to fix. I have players in the Academy right now. If you're listening, you know who they are. We've been working on it for months, you know, getting them out of that because what happens is when your elbows stay tight, you just turn is your contact zones probably, you know, five, six inches at the most and it could be double to triple that size if you use your hands and arms correctly and for some reason it seems easier for me to get players that are too long uh, get them fixed than it is players that are too tight because it's not natural being too tight is not a natural swing like kids aren't born with that for the you know i would say one out of 50 kids one out of 100 kids maybe will come with elbows that are really tight um but I can always tell whenever I see them come in through the online academy, I'm like, you know, t- please tell me what you've been taught because I know they've been they've been taught something because it's not a natural move. You know, what is your instructor? What is your dad? What is the philosophy you've been following? Because it will tell me, you know, how difficult it's going to be to change. And, yeah. uh, you know, 99 times out of 100, it's, uh, oh, we've been working on, you know, this this program and then I have to try to fix them. All right. Well, great stuff this week. And again, to watch this show and and it's better for the viewing audience, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast YouTube page. Let's get quickly to our listener question sent to us on our YouTube page, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. It is from MLB underscore Z-I-T-Y. And he writes, ideally, this was his question, when the hitter strides, 
where do you want the belt buckle facing? Home plate, back, or forward? It's a torque question there. I don't know if we use torque anymore. But, Separation. Yeah, no, that's a... Uh... Uh, that's not a, I wouldn't call that a, a solid, like everybody's the same, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people that cock their front hip, like a Bryce Harper during the stride, his, his belt is going to be facing behind home plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely don't want it facing in front of home plate during the stride. That's probably the, sometimes I do see that and I'll see it with left-handed hitting right-hand throwing players is they're during the step, their front knee will kind of open instead of closed, like if you think Bryce Harper, again, his front knee is very closed during the stride. So if the front knee is closed, typically the belt is good. Okay. Um, so kind of focus on that front knee, um, turning that front hip. And so I would say uh, at the plate would be okay. You have to make sure the chest is facing back. Um, that's usually, if the chest is good, usually the front leg will be good. Most of the time, maybe 75% of the time, but on occasion with that, that awkward lefty, you know, they'll do that. So. Um, the key is it's, it's closed. It's closed. It's either closed to the plate or it's closed, you know, behind the plate. And then when they land, right when that front foot goes from like toe touch to heel plant, sometimes slightly before if guys are jump starting their hips, you know, that are really aggressive with their lower body, then that belt buckle is going to start to turn and open and face in front of home plate. Uh, but you don't want it to do that until the front foot strikes the ground. All right. Thank you very much. MLB underscore z-i-t-y any questions of course email us jimbo podcast 21 at gmail.com or you can always leave a comment on our our youtube page try to get to them and if we don't it's bigger things in life to worry about right yep like gas prices oh like the weather it's very hot in tampa right now it's very hot in denver day 97 Mm. No humidity. I've been out there in the sun. No, no Don't try humidity. to fool me, young man. Yeah, no humidity. Um, next week, we are talking about hitting, how it's always changing and evolving. This was something that was mentioned and talked about in one of your father's books, and we're going to dive deeper into that. That is next week. So join us, episode 106. I've got a new yeah. podcast coming out July 20th, our first episode Wednesday with Cassie Riley Bosia, Cross Functionality. Again, uh, be on the lookout for that. We will, uh, I will um, be promoting the link to where you can subscribe. That'll be a really fun coaching podcast mm-hmm. with a former college baseball player and a former college softball player, a national champion. But I was never a national champion, although in my own mind, I am a champion. I was never a cha- <laughs> national champion, though. And Cassie was, so we'll be doing that podcast coming up on July 20th, our first episode. I had to push it back a week. I'm sorry. Um, what do you got coming up at the lab? Uh, we have our scout yard nights uh, coming up this summer, and then we'll be launching it this fall. So that's for our high school players. Essentially, we, we invite uh, all the local co- – we have uh, so many local colleges to come out. So, uh, you know, from Rice down in Houston to Texas A&M to Baylor, those are all – those uh, assistant coaches will be able to come out and recruit plus all the junior colleges and Sam Houston state, you know, kind of the lower Z ones. So we're launching that. Those are games uh, in the evenings under the lights. So pretty awesome stuff there. Um, we're doing those on Wednesdays and then Tuesday, they'll be on Tuesdays uh, this fall when they'll really get ramped up. Um, so that's kind of the big happenings at the lab. All righty. Good stuff. Uh, episode 106 next week. Be sure to subscribe to the show on the audio and video side. And we'll talk to you then. Have a great week.